I lost a few things, and so before we get to it, if I could just take this opportunity um, to try and find them. Uh, I have this water bottle that my wife bought me, and I lost it, and I'd be in big trouble if I can't find it. So I wonder if you could just look around. It looks like this. Um, if you could try and find it, <laughs> that would be nice. Sorry if, you, if I'm abusing the pulpit um, to, for my own stuff. If you could please just look around, that would be super helpful if you... Oh. Theo, you've got to watch these guys from Providence. Theo, Theo, Theo uh, broke his arm. Shall I share with people how you broke your arm? I'll let, I'll let Theo tell you. I won't tell you. Um, I lost something else as well. Uh, and while you look for it, Nasa's going to come and just... There's two things. Actually, one thing she's going to share is the mic. Who's got the mic? I've got the mic. Where did I put it? Oh. I feel so lost this morning. Um, won't you come up? I, I lost my keys. So if you could look for those, they look like this. Um, so if you could look for those in a moment. But um, one thing, just Steph and Tilly, could you stand up? Steph and Tilly, they, they asked us to announce this. It's their announcement. But they've, um, there's going to be a third one of them in the family. <laughs> <laughs> um, and reverse engineering from that point and stage, uh, we want to pray for Nathan and Ruby who are going to get married this Friday. Yeah, so can so a few you of you... Stand up? Yeah, can they stand up? And a few that, that are around them, can you just like, I don't know, turn towards them, lay your hands on them. I'm going to pray for us, for them, but um, please just keep them in mind this next week and the next, well, into death to us part, um, that they truly can just walk. Um, in all that God has for them as a couple. As we know in this society, marriage is not always encouraged or even um, lifted up, but we want to shine God's light into what marriage can be and what he's, he's created it to be. So let's just keep them in mind, please, and pray for them. Um, God, I thank you so much for the gift of marriage. I thank you that you um, put it into creation before there was sin in this world. So it is perfect. We are not. Um, and I just thank you for this beautiful couple. I thank you for Nathan and Ruby. I thank you for the way that you brought them together in perfect timing, mm. um, that they couldn't have uh, come up with this design in their own way, but you just held them off and did your work in them and then brought them together. God, I thank you for what you have for them as a couple, and I pray truly that as they put you first, that you will honor that and that you will help them enjoy and let them see the beauty of marriage um, open up, God. Help them to stay humble, help them to keep their eyes on you, Jesus, and help us as a community um, keep them in mind and others in mind, Lord Jesus, that we'd be sensitive to each other going through life, that we would walk across the room and engage with each other through times um, of trial and be able to celebrate when things are going well. God, I just pray that you will hold them this week, that you will allow them to enjoy the last few days of singleness, that you will allow them to enjoy their families and just these precious times, God. And that Friday when they come, when they see each other at that beautiful moment, God, and they get to commit their vows to each other um, in front of you, in front of their friends and family, that you will just um, be there, Holy Spirit, that you will be there with them and that you will guard them and you will keep them close in your precious and wonderful name. Amen. 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 Thanks, love. Um, back to the more important stuff, my keys. 
Uh, has anyone managed to find it while we're praying for... for you did? Oh, thank you. Miriam, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. I'm, I also lost $100. Does anyone want to... <laughs> you guys are so good at finding stuff. I wonder if you can't help me this morning. Um, I was reading this, this verse this week, these verses this weekend, and there's something else that um, I need to try and find, and you guys are so good at it that maybe you can do that with me. It's Luke 8 from verse 22. Jesus, uh, Luke writes, um, One day Jesus got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and they sailed, and he fell asleep. That's Jesus. And a windstorm came down on the lake. It's like a squall. And uh, the, the boats were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke Jesus, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Um, in Mark, it says that the disciples uh, said, uh, don't you care that we are in danger? The question there is, how can you be sleeping while we're dying? Like, what, don't you care about us? And he, woke, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and uh, raging waves, and they ceased, and there was great calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Where is your faith? I've been thinking uh, this week, where is my faith? I wonder if you can try and help me find it today, and, and maybe if I can try and help you find yours, and together we can try and ask this, answer this question that Jesus asks about us as disciples is, where is your faith? These are the people who are in the boat with Him. These are the people who are following Jesus around. And this is one of the guys who Jesus says, hey, do you want to go somewhere else? And, and he says, no, where else could I go? You have the words of life. They're like, these are these guys. And he's, Where's, where is your faith? Where's my faith? Where's your faith? Where's our faith? So three things I think we can do today, um, three stages maybe we can go through is, number one is, why do we need faith? Question number one, what does your life look like without faith? Just to see if this is true of, of me or you. And then, where can we find our faith? All right, so number one, why do we need faith? Um, often you don't need to go looking for something unless it becomes important to you, right? You've, you've, uh, this isn't, this, no sermon is supposed to left you, leave you feeling anxious and worried about things, but um, I am going to let you know that you've probably lost at least 10 things that you don't even realize are lost right now. <laughs> Um, but only when you decide that you need them, you're going to realize you don't know where they are. Um, don't start worrying about them now. It's not the time or the place. But let me give you three things as examples. Let's imagine you have, um, you have your cell phone, a glass of water, and a life jacket. And you're at home right now, with, and you've lost those three things. Uh, which one are you going to turn the house upside down to find? The phone, the glass of water, or the life jacket? The phone. All right. If, we, if it's democratic, the phone wins. Now imagine you're stuck on a des, uh, in a desert, a desert, not a desert island, just a desert, no water. Just a desert. Uh, which one are you going to put your energy towards finding? The water. There's no reception. <laughs> There's no reception in the desert. Good question. Would, democratically? The water. The water. So you just chucked, you, the phone didn't become important suddenly. What if you're stuck in the middle of the ocean 
um, and you have limited, uh, limited energy, what are you going to spend the little energy you have trying to find? The life jacket. So, so you see how like things become, what did someone say? Phone. <laughs> the phone is at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Don't go there. Um, my point of, that I'm trying to show you is that even though all three of those things can be like crucially important at times, there's other times where you don't think about them, where they, they're almost like meaningless. And so I'm trying to show you that sometimes our faith almost seems meaningless. It's not meaningless. It's never meaningless, but it becomes incredibly meaningful at certain times in our lives, um, particularly uh, when storms hit. And so, one of the reasons we need faith is because storms will come. Those who've received a gospel of Jesus makes your life uh, better, you're going to be healthier, wealthier, and and better off because you have Jesus in your life. Well, in an ultimate eternal sense, that's entirely true. But Jesus has promised that in this life, that won't be true. Um, You're going to have struggles. You're going to face storms. Um, and Jesus, even walking with Jesus, He leads us into these times, you know. So life can be hard without Jesus. If you have Jesus in your life, there's this guarantee that there, there may be some kind of added complexities um, or difficulties. So firstly, um, when we think about facing storms, we see in this text, we see the disciples, they're in familiar territory. A, couple of the, a few of the disciples were professional fishermen, and now they're on a lake. This is territory they know. And yet, even in like their surroundings, even in their comforts, a situation can happen that's just out of their control. In other words, even if your life only takes you to places where you're comfortable, where things are normal or natural, or you understand your surroundings, days can come that turn your life upside down, out of whack, out of control, frightening, scary, where did this come from? And you find yourself... Um, in a storm. When I think about this church, and I was thinking through this week, like what are the budding storms in, brewing in our lives? And, and just so that you know, when, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, um, I'm not being smart when I, I've said kind of like, you know, help me with find my faith. I mean it. This week I've, I've lost sleep. I had to cancel a meeting with Josh in the morning because I barely slept the night before. Uh, there's real anxieties, real storms in, in my life, um, which shouldn't be there necessarily. Jesus turns to me and says, Marks, where's your faith? Um, you know, he wants to bring peace. So what I, what, as I say some of these things, if they relate to you, I'm really not pointing a finger. I'm, I'm kind of suggesting that there could be many of us who experience particular storms that we face. So I, I thought about the young parents who have these little babies growing inside of wombs and there's a number for the last 10 years there's always been about two or three babies growing in wombs it's unbelievable if king's cross doesn't do anything else it adds beauty of children into this world Um, but parents who are going to bring children into uh, this time and this space and that can be difficult Uh, perth is one of the most secular cities in the whole world to raise children here requires faith if you don't have faith, it's going to be terrifying. I thought about those who have to move house or buy a house. The market at the moment is absolute chaos. To just think about home, it's like killer waves. It can be very disruptive. 
What about those who experience sickness or setbacks or those whose lives have been affected by others' behaviors or attitudes towards them? That's stormy. That's hard. What about the teens who go walk onto campuses this week again with thousands um, of kids who are trying to find their identity, teens who are trying to find their identity in sex, drugs, alcohol, uh, whose uh, lips, you know, no soap would have washed those tongues completely clean and are forming words that most of us don't understand. It's difficult. How do they hold ground? How do they take ground as Christians? How do they go forward with their faith? How do they not just slip into the stream? And how how do they kind of be these Christian salmons who can swim upstream with the light of God? Without faith, it's too hard. With faith, it may be possible. So, what I'm trying to say is, firstly, we, we face these storms within our comfortable surroundings, in this boat that should have been peaceful, should have been quite a normal journey. But secondly, these disciples are geographically right next to Jesus. It's not that Jesus is far away from them. It's not that Jesus is out of their lives. And yet they still are terrified of death. And in our lives, we can, we can, it's not that we have to first put Jesus away to then encounter storms. Storms can come while we are right next to Jesus. Storms can come while you're worshiping this morning. Your mind can drift to things that cause you anxiety and fear and stress and worry. And you can experience the opposite of what Steve did, of just this awe of how God has turned rags into beauty. You can stand there going like, I know I'm singing all this stuff, but my heart or my head or I'm experiencing all this difficulty. Is Jesus far off? No, He's not. Is His Spirit with us? Absolutely. Is His presence here? Yes. But in your heart, there's a storm going on. In your mind, there's a storm going on. In your life, there's a storm going on. The proximity of Jesus is right there, and yet the storm rages. Right? I hope you know what I'm talking about, not because I hope you have a storm in your life, but <coughs> because there's good news. So, um, why do we need faith? The answer is because at times in our lives, we're going to experience great storms. Hopefully, um, you accept that. Number two, what does your life look like without faith? Um, what does our lives look like without faith? It's the outcome of we, we basically forget what we already know about Jesus. Has anyone here forgotten what you already know to be true about Jesus? Can you just raise your hand? So <laughs> that's like everyone. If you're not a Christian in this place, uh, we have just demonstrated to you how weak and uh, average Christians are. That's right. Christians don't save themselves. Jesus does it all. Jesus saves us. So if you're curious about Jesus, uh, let me tell you the good news that it's not going to be up to you. It's entirely up to Him. Just give your life into His hands. Uh, And then along the journey, you're going to stumble and fall. And every time you do, He's there to help pick you up and keep you moving forward. Um, Our job is to keep our eyes on Him, to trust Him, to look to Him. And when we don't, we stumble and we fall. We forget things about Him all the time. So, for example, here... Jesus had shown the disciples countless times 
that he cared for them, that he cared for other people. Uh, in feeding crowds, in healing crowds, and being distracted and pulled away from his mission and uh, to go and heal people. And he, he had provided his disciples such care. He had called them from their homes and he had become like their, their uh, leader, their father, their parent, their mother, their carer. He, he was feeding them and looking after them and doing everything for them. Always, always warm to them. And yet here in the boats. They can't hear him snoring because the storm is so loud. And the assumption goes, he doesn't care for us. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever experienced something in your life where maybe you don't believe it with your head, but your heart says, because our hearts are more honest than our heads, right? Our heads like, can, can keep truth. And we go like, yeah, I don't believe this, but, but our hearts will go like, no, no. Let me just say, I don't think God cares for me. Look at my life right now. Look what's going on. How can a loving God, how can a caring God allow this to go on? Right? Some, some version of that. So our lives without faith look opposite, basically. They look opposite to the fruits of the Spirit. I want to do a little experiment with you. Hopefully it goes well. If it doesn't, I'll just keep, keep I'll get back to the notes. Um, I like, fruit of the Spirit. Can you put the fruits of the Spirit on the board? Here's the, on the left are the fruits of the Spirit from Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and Paul says, against such things there is no law. I thought about this once, and you can think about it too. I haven't been able to find a law that's against these, even a, a, a civil law that goes, there's a law that you can't love people, a law you can't be joyful, a law you can't have peace. It's, it's quite amazing um, that Paul was right. I don't think he's talking about Australian's uh, legal system, but I did think about it, and there really are... We don't make laws against the fruit of the Spirit. Um, we like, it's good, right? And this is what God wants in our lives. This is what we should be growing. So when, as Christians, as we walk with God and, and we're growing in maturity, when we talk about maturity, it's more of this stuff. It's more of this stuff in our lives through difficult situations. And the disciples didn't have, which one did they not have in the storm? They didn't have peace. Well, they probably didn't have joy either. They weren't sitting around going, ah, oh, this is a great time. But the main thing they didn't have was peace. And what did Jesus rebuke the storm? What did he say? Peace. Be still. He, he called peace into the situation. Anyway, here's what we're going to do. What is the situation? Don't share your own because this isn't a therapy session. Uh, you can share your own, but again, we're going to move on very quickly. So... Um, what is a real-life situation that could cause a storm? What's a difficult situation? A trial. You like? Well, oh, thank you. Great. Lost your job. What? What might? Fruit of the spirit. What might it look like in that moment? You lose your job. What would you hope is there? Blossoms in that moment. Peace. Pardon. Faith. Patience. Gentleness. A whole bunch of things could, right? A, a whole bunch of things. You could say everything, but, but you, specifically some things become more. And what is, li if, what is likely to happen? What could happen? Sad. Okay. These are, this is real, right? What's another example? What's another situation? Yeah. Okay, that's a little bit tr trickier. 
because there's going to be real sadness. There's, you know, Ecclesiastes in, in every season, there's a, time, there's a time for rejoicing, a time for mourning. There's some mourning, right? But there can also be joy in their life, in the life that God gave them, in the life that we've known, that we've had. In other, way, in other words, we don't have to drown in the sadness of that loss, right? We don't have to get lost in the loss, in the loss. What's, a, what's another one? Illness. Sorry? Illness, like Illness yeah. Illness. What, what, what might we be, let's go to the right hand side, what might we be tempted to feel in an illness, a disease? Sorry? My hearing's not great. You're going to have to say it louder. Is this a, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> my hearing's not great. You're going to have to say it louder. Irritability. <laughs> yeah. Good demonstration, Mark. Um, irritability. What else? Anxiety, sadness. Lack of faith. Yeah. Meanness. So great. Such good answers. This is real. Has anyone here faced a difficult situation in your life? After you met Jesus? Yes. Has anyone here responded to it badly? After you met Jesus, Josh just raised his hand and I raised mine. So you might be out of two pastors today. I apologize. It's a pastorless church because there's, there's lack of the evidence of the Spirit in our lives. There's lack of fruit. In other words, in this lifetime, the question, where is your faith, always has the potential to touch a nerve. It always has the potential to be relevant and it's, it's okay. I find this, this very helpful. Uh, J.C. Ryle, when he was commentating on this verse, J.C. Ryle is a great Bible expositor. If you ever find any of his books, get them. And uh, on this verse, on these verses, he wrote, We must be moderate in our expectations. We must not suppose that men and women cannot be believers if they sometimes exhibit great weakness, and that men and women have no grace because they are sometimes overwhelmed with fears. In other words, the question Jesus has, where is your faith? He's not looking at the disciples, irritable, mean, impatient. You know, it's like Jesus is allowed to not bear the fruit of the Spirit, because we're, but we have to always bear it. No, Jesus is looking at them patiently, kindly, gently, and saying, where is your faith? Where is it at? What's going on? We almost prefer a Jesus who would be like, where's your faith? So that we could feel bad about ourselves and go like, yeah, no, I should, I should do better. And Where's your faith? Isn't it interesting that he rebukes the wind and the waves? But it says... Says, it says this, He rebukes the wind and the waves. Be still, be calm. It's a mixture of Mark and Luke. And then He says, and then He said, where is your faith? Not, and then He rebuked the disciples and asked, where is your faith? It's very interesting. Rebukes the storm, He talks to the disciples. It also, the, it, one of the, when you, when, you, um, when you do your Bible homework, 
what comes first is always important. It's always the order that it's written that you want to keep things in. It's interesting that in my life, because on that list I'm more on the not, you know, often the irritable side, lacking patience, um, a situation may come, you know, maybe my kids need something from me, and, and they ask, and, and my order is flipped to Jesus, where it's like, ah, why now, okay, <laughs> and I go and I do the thing that they need, and then about uh, three years later, I go back and repent and apologize, <laughs> no, hopefully three moments later, I go back and say, hey, that was really sorry, I'm really sorry for that, that's not what God is like, please forgive me. Isn't it interesting? Jesus doesn't first say to them, where is your faith? He first deals with the issue. He, but what is He doing? He's showing love. He's showing His care. It's a demonstration of what Jesus is always like. He's always patient. He's always kind. He's always gentle towards us in that way. And He first goes and deals with the thing causing them fear. And then He turns and deals with the bigger problem the rebuke's over and goes, hey, now, in this peace, in this calm, now that you're breathing again, now that you're settled again, let me just ask you this important question. Where's your faith? Imagine the difference. Jesus wakes up, lies on the pillow. Where's your faith? We're not going to die. We'll be fine. <laughs> That's one kind of a Savior versus a Savior that gets up, brings peace, and then says... Why did you, why'd you start thinking that I don't care for you? There's nothing in life that will ever make me stop caring for you. So, number three. How do we find our faith? J.C. Ryle asks this great question. What is the benefit of trusting Jesus if we only trust Him in the sunshine and not in the storms. You ever feel like that? I mean, I really like J.C. Ryle, but I, I also don't like the good questions he asks. <laughs> I think about my life, and this is so true. You know, like when things are all breezy and there's blessing and goodness, you know, there's, there's going to be, uh, these two are going to get married, these two are going to have a baby. It's like, yeah, God is so good. Storms come. Ugh. God, where are you? What do I have to do? I remember a season in my life where I stopped praying. Sounds bad, hey? I stopped praying because I felt like everything I asked for, God did the exact opposite. <laughs> Honestly, I literally stopped praying because I was so scared of Him taking anything more from my life. And it's ridiculous. But that's how I felt. And the question is, Mark, where's your faith? Does God care for you? Can you believe that He's doing something far greater than you can imagine? The disciples, obviously, you know, don't you care that we're in danger? And then it ends with, that's how they start. You know, like, wake up, Jesus, don't you care that we're in danger? And then it ends with, Jesus is greater than we thought. That's kind of the movement. That's from where we are to where Jesus takes us. Jesus, don't you care? So it's okay. If you, have, if you have a storm in your life, it's okay to cry out, God, don't you care for me? Where are you? 
Where's your spirit at work? Have you forgotten me? How do I send you my address? How do I tell you what's going on? Please come and work in this situation. It's okay to start there. But how does it end? They go, whoa, he's greater than we imagined. Whenever we look at the storm, um, we can start thinking God's not involved or Jesus doesn't care for us. This can happen. The storm has this ability to do it because the storm is like real. The storms in our life are real. They cause real fear. They bring real danger. They're not, you, you, can't, you, you can't minimize them. They're real. And if we stare at them, we, we, start to have, we start to feel like God doesn't care for us. Jesus isn't near. Jesus isn't doing anything. He's not at work. However, however, if we stare at Jesus... If we keep our eyes on Him, imagine the disciples in the boat. They've been looking at the storm. They see the squall. They feel, they go, oh my gosh, we're going to die. Jesus, wake up. Stop sleeping. Help us. Another way they could have done it is, this is the, the idea, is that they could sit there. They could turn to Jesus. They could look at Him sleeping in the boat. They could think about who He is, what He's promised. And they could look and go, we trust this man. We know what he said he's going to do. We know we're not done yet. We know that just, a, just an hour ago, Jesus said, let's go to the other side and do something there tomorrow. So we, we're going to be okay. We're not going to die in this. don't know when it's going to end, but this is not going to be the end of us. Tonight is not the, t- the Titanic. That's another way. But it would have required faith. They would have required trust. Ryle and, and uh, various other commentators, when they talk about this faith, they say the faith that's been spoken about here, it's not saving faith. It's not, it's not the faith that you, know, you place your faith in Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. It's not that. Uh, and it's got, which is obviously completely God-given. It, it's a little bit different in that it's this faith that God gives you that is yours to exercise. You have it. It's yours. But you have to choose to use it. It's, a, it's like a decision to trust God. That's what it is. That's what Jesus is saying. What are you deciding to trust? What, what are you making a decision about? Where this is, it's yours. It's given to you. It's here. What do you want to believe? And the basis of it is that we trust God based on who He is, what He's done, and what He's promised to do. Because of that, there's this decision based on who you are, not the circumstances, but who you are and who you've said you are and what you've said you're going to do. I'm going to make a decision to trust you. I'm going to put my faith in you. Um, I'm going to look to you and keep my eyes on you because of who you are. It's a little bit like those trust exercises. This is a bad analogy, but it's a little bit like this. You know those trust exercises where they have someone stand on a table or something? Every work does it for like a team building exercise, and it's like fall backwards, and then your teammates catch you. Um, I remember once hearing about a father who did that to his son, and then he, then he uh, son run and jump, and the son ran and jumped, and then he moved away, and the son fell, and he said, now never trust anyone. That was the lesson. And the son learned his lesson and didn't trust anyone. It was a terrible lesson to learn. 
But the trust exercise, I suppose, you, know, you catch them and you go, now, you, now you've experienced something. You've experienced strength. You've experienced trust. And in a team, a workspace, it's supposed to be, you know, in our work, let's trust each other. Let's make a decision to lean on each other, to not look over each other's backs, but to work together. Let's make this decision now. We've seen, we've seen we can trust each other. Um, and this is, where is your faith? Can you trust God? If you fall, will His arms be there to catch you? Or will He be the Father that steps back and goes, now I've taught you not to trust anyone? So how do we, the question is, how do we find our faith? Let me start wrapping it up. This is how we find our faith. We do what the disciples did. What did the disciples do? They went and found Jesus lying in a wooden boat. Why was Jesus there? Jesus was in that wooden boat because long before time and space began, the triune God had made a commitment that He would enter this world through the, the womb of Mary and that He would grow up and that He would call disciples to Himself and that he'd start preaching the kingdom of God. And then he would continue that. Then he would go and die on a cross and he'd raise to life. And he'd uh, save people. And then he'd make a new heaven and a new earth for us to live in eternally. That's why he's in the boat. Because he's, that had started. That had begun. He was there with the disciples preaching the kingdom on his way to the cross. That's why he's in the boat. And the disciples, we do what they do. They go and they find Jesus in the boat, his head on a pillow. And, we, and they aroused him from his sleep. And they showed <coughs> him the storm. And he showed them his authority. They showed him their fears and anxieties and panics. And he showed them his care and authority and control over all things. And they were amazed. And so we do what the disciples do. We go to the cross. We go to the cross of Jesus and we see His care for us. That there is nothing He won't do to save us, to bring us home. That He has a plan that extends far beyond our life on earth. That He has a plan for us that extends all the way to eternity. Whatever storm we encounter in this life, that He has a plan to get us through. That He has a plan to be with us by His Spirit. That He has a plan to lead us. That there is nothing in our lives that will ever cause Jesus, the glorious Jesus, our Lord and Savior, to go, oops, I didn't account for that. Nothing. But that in all steps of our lives, all moments, whether on high school, whether there's a baby uh, in the oven, whether there's a marriage about to happen, whether a loss of job, whether death in the family, at every point, every turn, Every moment, Jesus is in control. Knows what's going on. He's sovereign and able. And on the cross, we see Him in the chaos of the storm. Not the wind and the sea, but the, the wrath of God against our rebellion. The wrath of God against our sin. A storm that we caused. Jesus is on the cross, ending it, bringing peace. Just like He rebuked the wind and the waves and said, 
peace, be calm. He looks death in the face and says, no more. And he finishes the work in our place. And after he finishes it and he goes through death himself, he's raised to life so that he can announce life over all who believe in him. So that he can run around the world. It sounds cheesy. Run around. He can run around. He can go around, run around, skip around, however he wants to. Announcing the kingdom of God, the good news of what has been done for us. The only message in the world about what God has done for us in grace and mercy. So that we can go to the cross and we can see His loving care. And instead of going in our storms, where is God? Doesn't He care for us? Doesn't He know? Isn't He looking out for us? We can go back to the cross and say, of course He does. Look what He did. Of course He does. He's gone through death for me to give me life. And He's not done. This storm is not going to be the end of my life. The storm will not end me. And we see not the boat, but the cross. We see not a sleeping Jesus, but a dead one. And, and He rises, not just from slumber, He rises to life eternal. And He speaks a better word over us. So that we can look at Him in amazement. Matt Chandler says, The greater your knowledge of the goodness and grace of God on your life, the more likely you are to praise Him in the storm. The problem isn't that God does or doesn't care for us or that He's not with us. The problem is our understanding, knowledge, experience of His goodness and grace. The greater your knowledge of the goodness and grace of God on your life, the more likely you are to praise Him in the storm. And when what Jesus has done on the cross becomes so real to us that it's ingrained on our hearts, it's tattooed all over it, when we go to, the, when, when we go to wherever the storm may be, wherever, whatever we may encounter, loneliness, rejection, pain, suffering, instead of looking at the storm, we can look at Jesus. I think there's two ways that we can live. I think there's two okay ways. One's okay, one's really great. It's what God wants, I think, for us, I think. The one is that we can stare at the storms. And then we can, that, that, you know, it's not even the worst because it kind of arouses our need. In the storm, we kind of, and we may turn to God. Many of us learn how to pray through storms. Many of us, that's how we kind of developed a prayer life is we went through a storm and learned to talk to God because life was out of control. That's okay. That's what the disciples did in this text. They went and woke Jesus up. Jesus, please, God, please, what are you doing? Please help me out. That's okay. And then we might afterwards, when the storms die down, the car, we've got through it, we might gently feel the Holy Spirit pressing upon our hearts. Hey, where is your faith? Do any of you feel like that? Have any of you, I've been in many conversations like this, and, and often the one I, I'm the one saying it, like, how come faith so easy in hindsight and then the next thing comes and it's so hard again? Do any of you feel like that? It's like the Spirit lets us see in the rearview mirror, hey Mark, where was your faith? Oh, it was so obvious, so easy. Why was I even worried? 
then tomorrow happens and like, yeah. Or growling at the children, being irritable. What's happening? Because there's a storm, they can't see it and they're getting in the way of me being anxious and panicking. And then in hindsight, oh, what a waste of time. In other words, just the Holy Spirit gently pressing again and again and again. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Put it on Jesus. That's the other way to live. The other way to live is that we can learn to consider who God is, what He's done, what He's like, what He has promised. The best way we see that is through what Jesus has done on the cross. So I'm pointing at the communion. To see His care and His covenant that He made to us and the life that He's given us. And we can dwell on that and bring that home to our hearts until it becomes our reality. They say it takes adults eight times to, uh, to th- re- think on something before they, they learn it. It takes children 200 times. The Bible calls us God's children, not God's young adults. Which means it may take us 200 times of thinking about some aspect of God before it really starts connecting into our hearts miraculously by the Holy Spirit. And we can look at that so, so, that can become so real to us that when the storm comes, it's minimized, not because the storm's not real, but because the decision to put faith in God is more real, is most real. And God is so real and big to us, His care is so tangible that the storm is less frightening. In other words, you, you can bear the fruit of the Spirit. That you can, to your own surprise, see patience come out even when you're under stress or pressure. That you can see kindness and gentleness ooze out of you, to your surprise, even when the pressure cooker of life is all around you. When you're out of control, where the circumstances are literally beyond you and God has to come through, you can still see love and joy and peace and patience coming from your life, coming to other people. That's the other way to live. Where is my faith? I asked you at the beginning, you helped me find my water bottle and my keys. Where's my faith? Where's your faith? What have we decided to believe? There are many reasons for us to fear in life. But in Jesus we found the only reason to have faith in the storm. There are many reasons to fear in life, but we have found the only reason to have faith in the storms. Where is your faith? This communion, Josh is going to lead us in in a second. It's a great opportunity for us to take our eyes off of the storms and to place them onto Jesus, to remember who He is. I know I've said a lot, and I am at wrapping up, But let me just make this final statement. 
God is not asking you to believe in Santa Claus or tooth fairies. It's not like that. It's not like believe in the goodness of a myth. God asks you to believe in the goodness of death and life given. Of a historical, real event where the wrath of God was taken away, was spent on Christ, and grace and mercy poured over our lives and life was offered in exchange of death. That's, God asks us to believe in the reality of what was done. Not in a myth. Don't believe in fairy tales. Believe in news that's almost too good to be true. 